Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. We've been talking about advances that we humans will make over the next 50 years or so. And we've been talking about the second step, which is becoming aware of other realities. In the last session, I talked about becoming more aware of other aspects of ourselves. And today we'll talk about becoming aware of helpful entities in other realities and the vast cosmic web of connectivity between all of us. The best evidence we have for that are the experiences of Bob Monroe. and I've talked about some of them in the past, but I'll repeat them because not everyone has listened to past episodes. When you talk about becoming aware of helpful entities uh, in various parts of the cosmos, as I mentioned, the best example in recent decades is Bob Monroe. Apparently, the possibilities are endless. Now, in the out-of-body state he described in his three books, a variety of realities that he visited, and one was not at all like the next one. In one reality, he visited what he called a sleeper's class that was attended by countless humans during a portion of their deep sleep, people like you and me sleeping. In another, he visited a city where none of the buildings were more than four stories high, where the people noticed him but didn't react to him, and where he couldn't tell males from females. When he came to what he thought was a hotel, he asked the man behind the desk where he could find a restaurant, and he was mistakenly led to a brothel. Subsequently, he learned the brothel in every building there was private, what they called private, and strangers like him were not allowed. In that same reality, the inhabitants had to hurry into their private places when a powerful energy force would pass by. Now, in another reality, in a training exercise conducted by what he called the intelligent species, which he called INSPECT for short, he experienced five different probabilities where he landed a small plane in a large city with varying results. Now, this was a form of training that was similar to what Seth recommended. And the next point uh, that he made and that Seth has made, I'm going to, uh, it's very important, I'll, I'll repeat it. It's a waste of energy, he explained, for any of us to frequently revisit past instances where we acted or failed to act in a way that we now regret. Instead, he advised, remember that the human time-space illusion is a place of compressed learning and that events are useful illusions in that regard. Much better, much better to focus on the probabilities where we acted in a way we'd be proud of. Events just are, Seth explained, and all the probabilities exist as illusions that can teach us something. Each of us is free at any moment to change our focus toward probable versions of events that help us advance. So again, it's a waste of time to focus your energy 
on any instance in the past where you acted in a way that you now regret. Instead, the present moment is the point of power, and you can focus on any good probability, any probability where you acted in a way you'd be proud of. You'll benefit a whole lot more by that. After all, events just are. They're illusions. They are meant to teach us something, and we're free to focus on any probability of any event that we wish. So you might as well focus on those that help you. Now, over the years, Monroe established a close relationship with the, the INSPEC, the intelligent species. They used nonverbal communication, and they led him to other realities. Many of them were illusory simulations, right? Simulations that were illusions that helped him improve aspects of himself. It turned out that in ways he couldn't initially understand, the inspect were closely, closely related to him. Right? In those experiences, he learned that consciousness is much more fluid and much more versatile than he thought. The entities guiding him sometimes had a form and sometimes they didn't. His own form changed significantly from time to time. Now, Monroe was instructed about various realities by way of what he called a thought ball. A thought ball was a packet of information that was also called a rote. The intelligent species would, quote, throw him a rote on a given subject. He would then focus on it mentally, uh, and, mentally and he'd absorb the information, right? Focus on it mentally and absorb the information. It was almost like you look at a basketball, right? You focus on it and uh, absorb all the information in it. Um, so in this way, he learned about probable variations of reality, where, for example, it was not humans who possessed the most developed intellects, but something else, which varied depending on the reality that he was learning about. Now, as I mentioned in the past, in one journey, he found himself traveling in a procession in which the participants took the form of a light ball, and all of them were substantially larger than the light ball form that Bob Monroe had assumed. He was informed by a larger participant that they were entities who'd learned their lessons and all the realities they had experienced and who were bringing back the sum total of all of them as gifts to their creator. Well, Bob quickly realized he didn't belong there, and he never did determine what, well, he never determined whether that creator that they were bringing the gifts to was the ultimate creator or part of a still larger creator. Now, in another journey, the inspect took him to a future probable version of Earth around the year 3000, which I've described in the past. He was informed by these intelligences that guided him that this was just one probability of many that could be brought into focus. In that particular probable future, there were no factories, no roads, no planes, no cars, no houses, no phones, or any other indicators of modern existence. The spirits who came to earth at that time, he was told, understood that they were spirits, and they went in and out of different bodies as they pleased. In that reality, physical bodies were easily constructed from earth materials, protected in special energy cocoons. They were available for inhabiting when uh, any spirit felt it could learn something from the experience of inhabiting it. If they needed sus sustenance, 
they didn't have to eat. Instead, they just stretched their arms out and they absorbed life-sustaining energy from the universe. Now, here's an interesting point. Apparently, many spirits who inhabit bodies in that reality no longer bother returning to Earth. For those who do, the main reason they want to experience Earth life um, is to experience consciousness from the perspective of different species. So, uh, as I've noted in the past, Bob got a sampling of that when in quick succession he followed his host intelligence in joining his consciousness with an eagle, a fish about to be eaten, a leaf, a storm cloud, and a panther. Now, in other journeys, Monroe traveled through what he called rings of existence beyond the earth, in which different types of personalities predominated. He realized by that time that they were not physical rings, but non-material illusions that represented psychological and spiritual states, or planes, P-L-A-N-E-S, right? So they were not uh, physical rings, but non-material illusions that represented psychological or spiritual states or planes. The planes ranged from spirits of those who had recently died but didn't yet realize it, to entities at various levels of development and training, um, to those who were preparing for their last sojourn on earth. Monroe's experiences were strikingly similar to the after-death stages of development that were described by, as I've mentioned in the earlier episodes, Frederick Myers, Betty White, and many others. Now, the information that Monroe received in his journeys also contains a fascinating perspective on why Earth was created in the first place, as well as a detailed account of how and why a particular consciousness might want to live through a series of Earth lives in our time-space illusion. Now, one beautiful concept, I consider it beautiful, that he experienced is, is this. Whatever energy we send out as a result of our emotional experiences is amplified many times and returned to us as loving energy that sustains us still more. Whatever positive energy we send out is amplified many times and returned to us as loving energy that sustains us still more. So we can think of ourselves as a super-efficient power source that generates more loving energy than it takes in, spews it out whenever it's needed, then amplifies it via a bigger entity of which we're a part. Upon its return to us, the amplification process starts all over again and just keeps going. And as I mentioned in the past, the endless cycle that Bob described there reminds me of a cartoon in Gerald Jamposky's wonderful little book, Love is Letting Go of Fear. In that book, <coughs> uh, on one side of a two-page illustration... It shows a fellow giving away money, and his uh, big bag of money keeps getting uh, smaller each time he gives away money. On the other side, he's giving away love in the form of hearts. And in the last frame, the number of hearts, they multiply until they fill the last frame of the cartoon <laughs> totally. And as a result of his experiences, Bob Monroe came to uh, some very firm convictions about reality. He believed you can live more than one life simultaneously, 
that probabilities do indeed exist, that the space-time illusion in which we exist is a camouflage reality, as Seth has stated, and that a great number of realities exist for us to explore when we're out of body for short periods or for long periods as we are when we die. So beyond becoming aware of other aspects of ourselves, we'll also benefit by becoming aware of and communicating with a number of spirit entities who look out for us in what Seth termed the spacious present, which included all of what we think of as the past, present, future, and all probable worlds. Now, we're all familiar with the concept of guardian angels, right? This is an expanded version of guardian angels. Basically, we all have more than one entity looking out for us while we're here temporarily in the physical body form. My one and only experience of them in this lifetime occurred back in uh, 2012 when my cancer returned. And after the disease had been knocked back, the doctors wanted to do a bone marrow transplant. Well, when you're your own donor, you're hooked up to a machine that extracts plasma from your blood, returns the blood to your body, which is a process called apheresis. And after they get enough plasma, you undergo super strong chemo. And if you survive that, you receive back your own plasma and you gradually recover. Well, I had seen people undergo that procedure when I was earlier treated for recurring cancers in 2007, 2008. And they looked to me like they were dead. I dreaded the procedure and didn't really want to go through with it, figuring it could just as easily kill me as cure me. But my family uh, thought it would be the best option, so I agreed. An hour into the aphoresis, the doctors came in looking sad, explaining they had to halt the procedure because my bone marrow was so beaten up by the previous chemo and the radiation that I was providing fewer than two units of plasma per liter of blood and they needed at least 10. Well, you can imagine my relief and joy knowing I wouldn't have to go through with the procedure, right? But I couldn't let the doctors know that. So I had to pretend to be disappointed. <laughs> so I was saying, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. This uh, took up the time and the money, etc." And, and they were saying, oh, no, no, Mr. McEnany, don't be concerned. But I was jumping for joy inside. Well, at that moment, surrounding me, about six feet above my body there, a number of youthful cheerleader-like figures appeared. They all jumped up in unison and they shouted, Hooray! I had never seen an apparition in my life before that moment. And I'm not particularly imaginative in that way. So I was surprised. I was actually a bit dumbfounded, in fact, and had no idea what to make of them. But nevertheless, I was very happy they were there. Now, uh, a few years later, I described that experience to a, a very, a very stable, well-grounded person in the physical world who was also someone with psychic abilities, and she explained matter-of-factly that the cheerleaders were entities that follow me around, looking out for my welfare. She said, my experience was not at all unusual. Well, now that I've experienced them, I refer to them as the entities looking out for me in the spacious present and regularly communicate with them thank them, and uh, usually ask them for their continued assistance on the things I want to happen in the spirit world and in the current physical world, at least my version of it. Now imagine if everyone on the planet realized they had not just a guardian angel, but an entire group of entities looking out for them. That's a pretty joyous thought, isn't it? 
we don't realize we have an entire team helping us make our way through the human time-space illusion and all of the challenges associated with it. We know, too, that we can communicate with them and we could benefit by their positive guidance anytime we like. So it's another benefit of expanding our conscious awareness and becoming aware of realities beyond the daily physical world that we perceive with our five senses. So take a moment now to imagine the kinds of realities that you'd most like to visit. Would you prefer realities where the inhabitants have the kind of physical form that you're familiar with now? In the reality that Bob Monroe traveled from before experiencing Earth, the inhabitants enjoyed games, where as energy personalities they traveled in convoluted directions, while another energy personality attempted to follow them, risking the loss of all reference points and getting hopelessly lost. Well, that doesn't appeal to me at all, but apparently such games were common in the home universe of the entity that Bob Monroe was part of. There are all sorts of worlds of form you might enjoy, endless vistas of beautiful mountains, valleys, rivers, lakes, worlds filled with scary monsters at every turn, if you like that, jungles filled with more species that you can imagine, planets where other species are the predominant intelligence, not humans, places where all the human personalities are positive, creative, and highly intelligent, not like it is here, right? Or whatever your imagination wants to conjure up. So there are endless physical realities with root assumptions that would be totally alien to us. In some, centuries of our time might seem like a fraction of a second to their inhabitants. And as I've mentioned in previous sessions and others, a second of our time might be experienced as centuries in their reality. And still others, their average size might be a hundred times greater or smaller than ours. So if you want to stick closer to home and the reality you choose to experience, you might choose probabilities, which I've uh, described in the uh, previous session, uh, where instead of experiencing a consecutive string of infinite events in time, the entire reality is composed of only one event, but the infinite probabilities of it, outside the framework of time as we know it. But you all might also prefer worlds without form at all. You might want to participate in worlds composed of sound, musical notes, uh, where maybe you join together with other inhabitants and create majestic symphonies. If you prefer excitement, uh, like Tom Cruise, you might choose to exist as an electrical spark where you help to create fireworks, explosions, or intense creative storms. Now, if you enjoy the warmth of emotions, you might want to participate in universes where you exist as an emotion that can mix and combine with other emotions in infinite ways. So whatever type of reality you prefer, it's never too early to start imagining the realities that you'd like to experience. And when you do, you might become aware of the vast cosmic web of connections. A number of well-known personalities with psychic and out-of-body abilities have experienced firsthand the vast cosmic web of connectivity between literally everything including all the personalities alive at any one moment, the physical objects they perceive, and the events they experience. Now, Jane Roberts, who um, channeled Seth, right? Bob Monroe, and a young woman named Taylor Rose that I've mentioned previously, they have all experienced this connectivity. There are many others as well, including mystics throughout the ages, 
Seth described it in detail in some of the sessions with Jane. He stated that anyone alive at any given moment on earth is connected with everything else on earth. So consider that you can not only expand your awareness to perceive other beings and realities, but you can experience this connection between each of us and all that we perceive. So we're talking here not just about those that we're close to on a daily basis, but all the people shopping in the same store that we're shopping in or traveling on the same highway. We're talking about the fellow cutting the grass or painting a house across the street. We're talking about the millions of insects and bugs within a 100-mile radius, the blades of grass, the huge buildings that we admire, our own houses, and anything else you can think of. It's all connected. Now, obviously, it's almost impossible for most of us to imagine the extent of such connections. Uh, about the only event in my experience that comes close is the unity the whole world seemed to have in fervently wishing for the rescue of the Thai boys soccer team that was trapped in an underground cave. And there were a few other similar instances where you could almost feel that the whole world um, was connected. Now, most of us probably don't want to experience all the connectivity I'm talking about. We'd rather have our privacy, right? The thought might be scary. In general, we're comfortable in our own home stations with all of our familiar surroundings, despite all the unpleasant events and relationships that might be there. So for those who've experienced the connectivity, though, it's an exhilarating experience. They claim that the bad stuff is mostly an illusion. Right now, for most of us, the thought of experiencing this cosmic web of connections remains an interesting concept to imagine, but not something we're interested in experiencing. I believe that will change, however, as we become aware of the vast realm of realities at some point in the next 50 years or so. As souls, we are by nature creative, and we are by nature growth-oriented. We've got to keep changing. It stands to reason we'll eventually want to communicate with inhabitants of our own and other realities and experience the joy of our connections with them. So it might take uh, 20 years, uh, Earth years for this stage. It might take more or less uh, to reach this point where most of us not only travel out of body but also become aware of other entities and interact with them. So... That'll bring us closer to 2075, uh, when the third surprising development will begin to spread, the one that will by 1975, (laughs) by 2075, will catapult us to advances so great that we're going to seem to be a new race entirely, according to the entity Seth. That development is finally understanding that we create what we experience And we'll talk about that in the next session. Again, I'm Dan McEnany bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.